Hello and welcome to Plotress. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing A Good Girl's Guide to Rakes by Ava Lee. This was published in 2022 and is the first in the Last Chance Scoundrel series. And full disclosure, we did receive an arc from NetGalley and Happily Ever After Avon. <laughs> Happily, Happily Ever Avon. My brain did a thing there. It did. I'm leaving it I mean, in the bucket. It did the thing that Avon wanted you to do. So it worked. It did. So that's, they can take solace in that. So what's this book about, Lane? So the jacket. When Kieran Ransom's latest antics result in a massive scandal, his father issues an ultimatum. Find a respectable wife or inherit nothing. But as one of London's most inveterate scoundrels, Kieran doesn't know any ladies who fit the bill. Or does he? Celeste Kilburn is a society darling, beloved by influential members of the town. But keeping a spotless reputation leaves little room for adventure, and she longs to escape her gilded cage, especially with her impending engagement to Stuffy Earl. When Kieran, her older brother's best friend and an irresistibly attractive rogue, begs for her help, Celeste makes a deal. She'll introduce him to the right social circles if he'll show her the scandalous side of London. In between proper teas and garden parties, Kieran escorts Celeste, disguised as Salome, to rowdy gaming hells, wild fets, and sensual art salons. As they spend more time together, their initial attraction builds to a desperate desire that neither can ignore. But when someone discovers their midnight exploits, Celeste's freedom and reputation are endangered, and Kieran must save the woman he loves, respectable or not. This is a very good jacket. Yeah. And the book is somehow still better than the jacket. Yeah. But if you read the jacket, you know what you're going to get in the book. Yes. I want to make it clear that th there's not going to be a bait and switch on you here. Yep. No. Th again, I have no criticisms with the jacket. The book is just still better. The book is, is really good, Lane. I, I loved this. <laughs> right? This is your first Ava Lee, right? Yeah. Um, did we do novella? I don't think so. It might be my first Ava Lee. This is my third book by her, and it is my favorite of hers so far. I, I thought it was sexy. It was fun. It was cute. It was fluffy, but it was really well executed. Sometimes... And I will say some of this has to do with what we've been reviewing in previous weeks. You will have noticed it was a lot angstier than our usual. It was a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff. But I strongly needed this. <laughs> and I got it. This was exactly what Lane needed. <laughs> so this, it was perfectly executed, but it also, wow. This is perfectly executed, but it also benefits from, like, my frame of mind. Mm-hmm. I agree. The random number for this episode is 45. Uh, for every episode, we generate a number out of 1 and 50. And then we use that number to write a summary. So, I will start. Okay. 
Here's my 45 word summary. Dear plot trusts, I am a young debutante, soon to be married to a man I don't love. My childhood crush, he's my older brother's best friend, asked me to introduce him to respectable women. Should I take the opportunity to sow my own wild oats? I love this. <laughs> the only thing I want to say is we have read a lot of books about advice columnists. This is not one of them. <laughs> this is not one of them. No. So Meg is in the protagonist's head. However, I want to be clear, no one is a journalist. This is not no. Lady True Love. No, this is not Lady True Love. Although, wouldn't it be like really cute if there was a crossover and she wrote this to Lady True Love? Yes. I would be into that. Well, we're also into Lady True Love and this book, so that makes sense. Right? Um, so my summary... Kieran needs a respectable woman to reintroduce him to polite society, except the one respectable woman he knows turns out to be not so respectable after all and needs his help to explore impolite society. Oh, and she's the one woman he can't have, so lust. Right? I, yeah. Tropes, because this book is a giant trope fest. In the best possible way. Yeah, no, I have no criticisms about the tropes at all. No. Just to be clear, there's all of them. So trope number one, she's a good girl and he's a rake, as you may have gathered from the title. <laughs> it was subtle, so I'm not sure if you caught it. Not sure if you caught it. She's a good girl, he's a rake. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the trope. I would add, I think, secondary but also main she is his best friend's little sister mm -hmm. he's her older brother's best friend so you know the older brother knows every debauched thing he's ever done how could yep. you simon duke of hastings <laughs> but in this case there is a little bit of the like childhood crush too I really liked how that was executed here. Yeah. Not to digress too early, but she's very aware that she's not in love with him. Mm -hmm. That she is equal parts enamored with his face and his charm, but also his freedom and the mm -hmm. life he gets to have. And he's close enough to her that she feels like she has some way to live through him vicariously. Mm -hmm. I thought it was so much, with very few words, so much better developed than the usual childhood infatuation. Oh, yes, for sure. I agree with you. I agree with you. Let's see. Oh, he gets a marriage ultimatum from his parents. And in true trope fashion, his parents, knowing that he doesn't give a fig about himself... Make it a three-way marriage ultimatum that either all three men wed or not all get cut off. Yes. All or nothing proposition. And let me tell you, the next two books in this series were telegraphed so fucking clearly, and I am obsessed with both of them already. Right? Right? Like, oh my God. Yeah. I know. The, guys, the book opens with the, her brother running out 
on the wedding to anyway i'm sorry i i can't even finish what i'm gonna say loved an introductory wedding prologue so much since the one with olympia oh yes it's duke in shining armor A, a duke in shining armor thank you meg you're welcome yes Oh my God, it's so good. I have not loved a breakdown in the vestry so much since that book. Oh, it's so good. Mm. <sighs> so it was the, the, the setup for this series is tropetastic, but perfect. Yes. And this book is the same. Yes. Because after he receives this marriage ultimatum from his parents, which is that he has to marry a respectable young lady. He, of course, goes to the one respectable lady he knows, and he's like, you better introduce me to your friends, and they make a bargain. I love this so much because she's only front of his mind because he saw her at the thwarted wedding. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, he might not have remembered he knew a respectable person. If not for that moment. I love how... And he was checking out someone else right before he checked her out. Uh-huh. This was the perfect amount of... They are absolutely fated for each other. Right. Without delving into... And he has uh, never had eyes for anyone else. Yes. Although, I really appreciated it. I will say, at the wedding, he was he checked her out without realizing that it was her. Trope. And then he's like, oh, shit, it's Celeste. She sure has grown up. <laughs> and I've realized that before and have had to consciously turn my brain off on that front. Oh, it's just so great. It's just so it's fun. Perfect. So her marriage, uh, her marriage, the bargain specifically from her perspective, as the book jacket makes extremely clear, is for her to get to experience life beyond the gilded cage she lives in before she is forced to spend an eternity married to this guy she doesn't even like. Now, at the beginning of the book, he is just not for her. Right. But as romance novel readers will know, there are two options at this point. Either he is the sweetest person in the history of time and a future hero. (laughs) Yes. Who will take her jilting with extreme grace. Mm -hmm. Or he is a villain of horrific character that she only comes to know just how bad off she would have been had she ended up with him once she starts making her own choices. This is the latter. This is the latter. So, trope. Any way it went, it would have been a trope. So, I'm not even, I'm not even angry. Yep. Like, in zero percent am I angry. (laughs) Yeah. So she masquerades as Salome, and it turns out that maybe, maybe Salome is, is her all along. <laughs> that was, it's a testament to how perfectly executed this book is, that that was one of the few times I actually eye-rolled at the saccharineness of it, but with affection. And like, but, and yet went on to be like, oh, just hold the book to your heart a little bit. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And the last trope I want to make sure we talk about is she is a rags to riches story. 
Mm, she is. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought this was handled pretty well. Yeah. At no point did you feel like she was romanticizing poverty. Right. But her mother died very quickly after they attained wealth and status. And so her reminiscing about her youth was not done through rose-colored glasses. It wasn't like, oh, those were the good old days. But it was an acknowledgement that especially as a woman, I had less sympathy for Dom, her brother, in these scenes. But especially as a woman, there were freedoms that were now not available to her. Absolutely, yeah. And she now didn't have a mother. And so there were difficulties she had currently that would not have been the case had her mother survived, even if they'd still been poor. Well, and her father is not even allowing her to take part in charities in their old neighborhood because he doesn't want to remind people of their origins. Whereas she's like, I want to help the people that I grew up with and have good memories of. And this was anachronistic as shit, but the way she does that was so nice. Mm -hmm. It was so refreshing. Like, it was not a high-handed colonialist, imperialist savior complex at all. No. It was really nice. It was really good. I loved it. So I hear that we have a little Gentleman Jackson's entry this time. It's um, Gentleman Jackson's guide for the dude who goes to Gentleman Jackson's. (laughs) Right. Because that's it. He went to Gentleman Jackson's. And sometimes he gets in bar fights, though. But literally, like, this dude is hulking. All three of the men you know are going to be the protagonists of this series are just jacked and big and take up space. And it's extremely clear that all they do is punch each other. (laughs) It's so much fun. I mean, it it does remind me. I think you're right. It is reminding me of the Disreputable Dukes series. Mm -hmm. And you you know that we love that series. The two that are out so far. Yeah. We're still waiting on the third. It will, we'll, we'll, we will be rewarded with it. We'll, our patients will be rewarded someday. Someday. But it's, I think it's, there's a lot of parallels, and I love both. So maybe these are tropes I didn't know I loved this much. Now you do. So I don't know how many times we can say it. The, the basic plot and setup of this book is the plot and setup of a hundred other romance novels, right? I, I don't want to repeat it again. But you don't, have to make, you don't have to reinvent the wheel to make no. a damn great car. Yes. Basically, you know, introduce me to respectable women. I'll introduce you to sex, right? Nine rules to breaker and romancing a rake. Yes. Um, gentleman meets bride. And there's two that we had not pre-planned talking about. That was just off the top of our heads. We've read this so many times. This is an excellent version of the trope. Yes. I mean, she just, she commits to this. She commits to the premise. She doesn't veer away from it. She doesn't try to make it special or new. Like Lane said, she didn't reinvent the wheel. And she executes perfectly. Uh, Look. When I say she commits to it, the heroine's name is Celeste. And the family's nickname for her is Star. Okay. So, done. That my, that's my proof. 
<laughs> Accepted. <laughs> I'm judging jury here. You win. So, okay. Lane has said that Kieran is like hulking and likes to punch people out. This is not a lie. <laughs> However, <laughs> Kieran also likes to wear guy liner and write poetry and get into poetry slam contests. Um, I, so you put in your notes that you were picturing a David Bowie type? Yes. Have you ever seen the Mr. Brightside music video? No. I was picturing the lead singer, Brandon Flowers, from that. We, we have had, very, we're, we're viewing this guy in very similar ways. I'll just He's say in that. a gold waistcoat, a polka dot tie, like the f- accessorizing was yes. very Kieran combined yes. with Guyliner. So even if he's not quite as hulking, I felt like that was the vibe. Whereas David yes. Bowie to me is so 80s. Whereas the Mr. Brightside video was supposed to be like mid-century brothel. And by mid-century, I mean mid-17th century. Lane and I have different... Um, I mean, I was thinking of David Bowie in the labyrinth. Oh, that hair, hell fucking no. Well, Kieran had crazy hair a blonde mullet no but he still had anyway whatever we obviously are of different curls. generations here okay <laughs> but for all that he is hulking and masculine and punches people out and goes to Emma jackson in this book you get this almost androgynous feel for his sexuality does that make sense not for his sexuality, because he's, he's extremely clearly heterosexual. Right. But to use a really outdated and problematic term, like, metrosexual? Kind of. But, like, he's, he's comfortable with makeup and aesthetic interest and feelings. Well, that's why I'm saying androgynous. But not publicly. Yes. Correct. And this is also one of the things I loved about this book. So many times we've got the rake, right? And he's rakish in different ways than his brother and best friend. He hangs yeah. out with the theater crowd. Based, I mean, that's Which, basically the difference. As we've disclosed, is the cl- cr- they get around. <laughs> they do get around. <laughs> but... He does it in part to hide the fact that he's not traditionally masculine. And by traditionally masculine, I mean he has emotions and he writes poetry. And he feels feelings, which you're not supposed to do as a man, right? Right. Especially him. Yeah. I mean, the family expectations, um, the expectations of society at the time. So I just really liked that his motivations were explored. And it just made, it just made a lot of sense. Right? And it was hot. And it, I mean, yes, it was hot. But, you know, think about the sinsters, right? Why are the sinsters rakes? I don't know, because that's what they do. Right? Because they embody traditional masculinity. Right. But why is Kieran a rake? <laughs> he's really trying to do both and he's he feels like traditional society and familial expectations have rejected him so he's going to reject them in turn yeah and this is the other reason why he and celeste work so well as a couple too because they're they're both 
conflicted in the same way. There are sometimes you talk about loving the hero. There are sometimes you talk about loving the heroine. And there are sometimes you talk about loving the romance. This to me was 50-50 loving the romance and loving the hero. Oh, interesting. I loved the, the couple here. Celeste was great. I don't want to like sell her out. But I'm sorry, but this like poetry writing Hulk was really doing it for me. I mean, yeah. He also <laughs> talks real dirty. I also thought it was props to Ava Lee or Eva Lee. I'm so sorry. I never know whether it's Eva or Ava, and I've gotten yelled at about it before. Um, I didn't feel like his poetry was supposed to be groundbreaking, but it was supposed to be decidedly not terrible. And whenever authors are trying to write good or bad writing, it's always a little worryingly cringe because you're like, oh, God, what if it's bad? I thought everything that was his poetry on the page was pitch perfect. Yeah, I agree. Not, it wasn't going to, like, win any prizes, but I was not embarrassed for her. <laughs> I wasn't embarrassed for her. I wasn't embarrassed for him. Because that's the thing, too. You know, he has this this un, almost unbearable passion. Like, he, he cannot not write poetry. Yep. And at the same time has not been able to cultivate that. Right. But I think... The page clearly was, he's better than he thinks. He's actually really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the, it would have been really embarrassing for Eva if it had actually been shit and it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is not untrue. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> like, it's, it's a risk to put good writing on a page. That's true. Acclaimed as such. And she took the risk and it paid off. It paid off. I also really liked the ending of this book. It was so perfect, wasn't it? On so many levels. <laughs> I I loved everything about it. I loved how mutual mm -hmm. everything was. And she's a little in the dark about the ending, but not from an intentionally keeping her in ignorance space. Mm -hmm. It worked really well. It worked really well. It worked so well. I have two things I need to say. Okay. Personally, I need to disclose a bias. I'm like fucking obsessed with Salome as a human and John mm -hmm. the Baptist more particularly. Um, I was raised Catholic, even though I'm no longer Catholic. And I had extreme sexual feelings for John the Baptist, which we will not be going into on this podcast. But... I just need everyone to know that the second she picked Salome as her nom de plume, nom de... I don't know. Nom de, de guerre? War name? <laughs> okay, Meg. <laughs> uh, as her alias. As her alias. As her alias. I was like, gonna love this no matter fucking what. So there's my one bias as to why I rated this very highly. The worst thing about this book is the title. Okay, this is the only content or trigger warning that we have for you guys. The only offensive thing about this book. And it's not even offensive, it's just... Can the guide thing entitled be retired? It makes it sound generic as shit. And I get that the point of this book is sort of transcending generic tropes, but this title 
I rolled my eyes so hard. I'm so done with this structure. This book deserved so much better. It did. It did. I, I don't know what the answer would have been. I don't know. But, but yeah, the, the title is very generic. And overdone. And overdone. Tropes yep. are great because they're done, but a new interpretation is over always fun. This whole guide shit in titles is it just makes everything seem like a wall of the same. Well, and there's no actual guide. Also that. You know, I I don't wanna I feel like, you know, if there is a guide, okay, but even of all the books I can think of, I can't even think of a guide. The Lady Traveler's Guides. Well, yeah. They actually, but those aren't sexy. No. <laughs> I don't, they're not meant to be. I don't mean to be, that wasn't meant to be Shane. They're not meant to be explicit. <laughs> oh, and what's the one where the three women are writing a book? Do those not even have guide in the title? I don't think they have a guide in the title. Okay, so yeah, so there's the wrong, the wrong Marquis, and yeah, there's no guide in the title for that one. So yeah, it's a useless naming convention, and I want it to be done. Okay, we're done with that. Yep. Um, sexy. Was this book uh -huh. sexy? Uh huh. This is a sex book. This is a sex book, guys. It was very close to a sex book. They don't even kiss until about halfway through, a little less yeah. than halfway through. And that is That's the true. only thing that prevents me from a screaming sex book right now. It's uh. extremely sexy. I have no criticisms about the sex. But if 40% of your book is like relationship development with not even uh, kissing, it's not a sex book. That's that's <laughs> a lot of it's a lot of text with no sex. <laughs> Oh my god, relationship building. I'm not saying like a bad thing. I'm just saying like <laughs> sex books, they're fucking in the first three chapters. Or at Usually, least like yeah. sex sexually thinking. Well, okay. I I'm I, making the rules up on the fly, but I'm sticking with them. That's fine. I I already mentioned this, but I will say it again because it bears repeating. Karen likes the dirty talk. And she asks for it, and it's so good. Right? Is this the best blowjob you've ever read? Probably. Like, it, there is a sex scene after the conflict is resolved. Her explicit consent and desires combined with his articulation of fantasy. Oh, my God. Also... I don't know what about this worked so well for me, but like the fact that he was really into necks, <laughs> like without it being vampiric, I think was it worked really well for me. Like, it, yes, because necks can be really sexy, but that only ever comes up in an I want to suck your blood capacity. And the fact that it wasn't here and like, it, it does not get into a choking fetish. I just want to be fully transparent with our readers. But it does get into a little bit of, like, I want my hands all over you. Yeah. And I want to restrict your movement, not your breathing. Right. And it, everything about this just walked the line so fucking well. 
everything. Yeah. It's extremely sexy. It's very sexy. And I need every romance author to take note here. I don't need you, if she's having three orgasms at once, I don't need you to describe every orgasm. Get me to the first one and then be like, she had three. And I can be like, what a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want. I want to be like, God damn it. There is not a single sex scene in this book where she has only one orgasm. And I just want to like, that's right. Good job. Good job, Eva. That's how it should be. I'm sorry, but that's how it should be. Also, there's a scene where she has three and he has zero, which. Yep. Worked. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know if you caught it, but we really like this book. We'll be continuing the series and potentially going through some of Eva Lee's backlog. So if you like her, stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening. And while we have you, we want to let you know that we are currently promoting the one-handed reads box that we developed in conjunction with Natalie of Kiss and Let Me Tell You. The box contains a bunch of goodies for romance novel readers, especially those who like their romance novels spicy. It contains a woman for, uh, wow, an item for your pleasure, an exclusive plot dress branded tote bag, and two books, one of which is uh, by Catherine Grant, The Viscount Without Virtue. And one of which is by Victoria Vale, which contains, uh, which is only usually available in ebook, but we've gotten a printed paperback version called Masquerade. So uh, if you're interested in any of that, check us out on Instagram. We link to the Etsy page where we're currently selling those boxes. We hope you guys enjoy.